Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Tuesday, June 27th. On this date in 1880, a woman you may have heard of, Helen Keller, who lived most of her life without sight or hearing, was born in Alabama. On this date in 1957, Hurricane Audrey slammed into coastal Louisiana and Texas as a Category 4 storm. The death toll was estimated at between 400 and 600. And on this date in 1991, Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, the first black jurist on the nation's highest court, announced his retirement. Do you know who succeeded him? He's still on the court. I'll have that answer coming up. But first, let's check in with the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center for your Tuesday forecast. Hey, good morning to you, meteorologist Joey Sovai. We had some rain early this morning for some of you. That's moved out of here. Sunshine. We're going up to near 90 degrees by lunchtime and up in the low to mid-90s as we head into this afternoon. Heat index about 95 degrees. Thankfully, the humidity not too bad today, but as temperatures stay in the 90s for the rest of this week and the rain chance stays low, we do expect the heat index to eventually climb to 100 to about 105 to 110 by the time we get into the upcoming weekend and early next next week as we head towards the 4th of July. High temperature there up to 96 on Sunday with just a couple of isolated showers and storms for the weekend. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. The Berkeley County Sheriff's Office has released dash cam footage giving us a look at their first encounter with a wanted fugitive back in May. The video shows deputies driving up behind 34-year-old Michael Burham, who was riding a bicycle on Halfway Creek Road. Burham had already been on the run for three days when the sheriff's office got a call about a suspicious man on a bike. Deputies stopped Burham to question him. The sheriff's office says during the interaction, Burham gave them a fake name and then ran off into the woods. You can see that there. Deputies tell us they tried to chase him in the woods and they tried to use a taser on him, but Burham was still able to escape. On the fourth day of the manhunt, Burham was taken into custody in Hugie. He faces multiple charges, including sexual assault, murder, and kidnapping from alleged incidents in Pennsylvania and New York. The Palmetto State Bank has requested not to testify in a lawsuit connected to convicted killer Alec Murdoch. The bank is named in a lawsuit from Murdoch's insurance company, Nautilus, in connection with the death of his former housekeeper, Gloria, Gloria Satterfield. Murdoch is accused of stealing settlement money from Satterfield's family and giving Nautilus false information about her death. The bank denies any involvement and are accusing Nautilus of dragging them into the case as a way to recover the money. The bank has been asked to provide a witness to testify on Friday about their relationship with Murdoch. Nautilus has asked for the court to deny the bank's request for a protective order. The fate of South Carolina's abortion law is back in the hot seat today as the state Supreme Court will be hearing arguments on the latest abortion bill. This will be the second time in eight months that the high court has heard arguments to challenge a six-week abortion ban after its last strike in January. Anna Harris spoke with organizations on both sides of the discussion on this law and what they hope comes out of it. And she joins us live to tell us more about what they had to say. Anna, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, Katie and Shelby. Both sides of the debate tell me that they want this hearing to go in each of their favors. And if not, there's not even a compromise they're willing to hear to make both sides come to an agreement. This type of legislation is dangerous for women's health. 
The current six-week abortion ban is under an order that says it goes against the constitutional right to privacy, putting it to a temporary halt. Today, lawmakers will hear arguments challenging this. Planned Parenthood says they believe doctors and women need to make these decisions for themselves. They say the government should not be involved in these personal private decisions. On the opposing side, pro-life organization South Carolina Citizens for Life says their hearts break for the baby's lives lost during these irreversible decisions. They say about half of abortions happen within the six-week period already, and they don't want that number to rise. We will continue to work diligently to protect the lives of the unborn um, until an amendment to the United States Constitution is passed. That hearing is expected to start at 9.30 this morning in Columbia, and there's no timeline of how quickly we will know if this law will stay. Reporting live in Charleston, Anna Harris, Live 5 News. Thank you, Anna. Teachers in Charleston County will be getting a little bit more money this year. Last night, the school board unanimously approved a one-time bonus for teachers. The Lowcountry Teacher Advocates Group and the district's Teacher Compensation Task Force have pushed for the bonus for nearly two months. The money will come from ESSER 3 funds, which is used to provide emergency relief to schools. The task force says their goal is to make a dent in the job vacancies ahead of next school year and ensure livable wages for the district's teachers. Members of the task force and teachers say this is just the beginning and the conversation of higher teacher salaries needs to be continuing in the future. Teachers in Berkeley County will also be getting a pay bump. This comes after the school board unanimously approved its budget for the next school year. The budget included a 6.5% raise for all employees. According to the CFO, before this raise, starting pay in the district was around $42,000 a year. The increase puts them at around $45,000 a year. Despite the bump in pay, Berkeley County is still lower than surrounding districts. Today, community leaders in Charleston are set to break ground on a project that's expected to help reduce drive times around a really heavily congested roadway. Charleston County Council Chairman Herbert Sass, Councilman Teddy Pryor, North Charleston Mayor Keith Summy, and Charleston County Public Works are all set to break ground on the Palmetto Commerce Parkway Interchange Project. Now, this project is expected to help reduce drive times, improve accessibility, as well as increase mobility in the I-26 and Ashley Phosphate area. The Pine Island property on St. Helena Island will remain under the protection of the Cultural Protection Overlay District. This comes after the Beaufort County Council voted to deny a rezoning request last night. The rezoning request would have taken part of Pine Island out of the COP's protection and allowed future development on the island. According to the Coastal Conservation League, the CPO has overseen the rural landscape, farms, culture of the island since 1999 and is a big reason as to why the land has been largely undeveloped. The organization says the council's decision affirms what the St. Helena community has said. Uh, quote, golf courses, resorts and gated communities have no place on St. Helena Island. The Charleston Area Regional Transportation Authority is getting a few upgrades. With the help of U.S. Representative Jim Clyburn, the Federal Transit Administration has given nearly $26 million to help CARTA build a new transit hub and expand its electric bus fleet. The transit hub will be built on Rivers Avenue near McMillan Avenue and will replace the current super stop down the street on Cosgrove Avenue. The new center will be on the Lowcountry Rapid Transit route and will serve as a transfer station for other routes. Officials say they're still working on the designs, but they do hope to start construction in 2025. I'm making an equally historic investment. 
to connect everyone in America, everyone in America to high-speed Internet by an affordable high-speed Internet by 2030. President Biden announced yesterday a massive investment, $40 billion from the bipartisan infrastructure law, working toward providing everyone with affordable Internet by the end of this decade. This is also set to bring South Carolina one step closer toward closing what officials call a digital divide. State leaders are also announcing more than $550 million will go toward expanding Internet connectivity within our state. Our Molly McBride tells us what comes after the funding. For people like us here at this television station, we clearly have the wires, the high-speed internet, really all the stops needed to get us connected. But unfortunately, that's not the case for a lot of our state. Local advocates say there are many factors you have to consider while working to get an entire community connected to the internet. Stacey Lindbergh with the Low Country Digital Equity Coalition says in order to use the internet successfully, you also need to access a working device, be able to afford monthly internet payments, and know how to navigate the internet successfully. She says internet access touches every aspect of our lives, from education to healthcare to social interaction. The Affordable Connectivity Program, or ACP, could be an option for people who struggle to afford monthly payments, according to Lindbergh. The program provides $30 a month for internet fees to eligible households, including those at or below 200% of the federal poverty level, or who qualify for other federal assistance programs like SNAP, WIC, or free and reduced lunch. She says the program is relatively underused. To be a full um, participating member in our society, you have to have access to internet. Lindbergh says today the Lowcountry Digital Equity Coalition is hosting a workshop to train people how to help others apply for the ACP or just how to use the internet effectively. If you're interested in becoming a, quote, digital navigator, you can find her contact information under this web story at live5news.com. Reporting for Live 5 News, I'm Molly McBride. And later on this week on Live 5 News, we'll hear from the director of the South Carolina Broadband Office to hear how the hundreds of millions of dollars going toward broadband expansion could be used right here in the Lowcountry. Today, the U.S. Energy Secretary is set to travel to South Carolina as part of President Biden's Investing in America agenda. Jennifer Granholm is traveling to the Palmetto State Capitol for her people-powered summer road trip. While on the second stop of her summer road trip, the Secretary is expected to build a facility to visit a facility that builds made-in-America electric vehicle chargers. The effort is a part of the Biden administration's three-week Investing in America tour, hoping to build a clean energy economy and expand jobs opportunities within the industry. Tomorrow, U.S. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg will visit Orangeburg to highlight the investment the Biden administration has put into America's infrastructure and how they're working to create good-paying jobs. He'll join Congressman Jim Clyburn at that event. Secretary Buttigieg will also have a major announcement regarding the administration's infrastructure goals. Today, the International African American Museum opens its doors to the public. The museum has had a jam-packed itinerary with a series of events leading up to opening day. Yeah, it's been very exciting. And our own Destiny Kennedy is live outside of the museum. And Destiny, what can visitors expect for opening day? Well, the, today visitors can expect a special exhibition called Men of Change, Power, Triumph, Truth. It will provide parallels between the past and the future. The exhibit is achieved 
through literary and poetry and art that will that the exhibit will highlight black men who have altered the history and culture of the country through politics, sports, science, entertainment, business, and religion. It will highlight the significance of African-American men who are rendered invisible by a society that does not quite know how to see them. The Manichain exhibit will end August 6th. For more information, you can visit Live5News.com. In Charleston, Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. All right, Destiny, thank you so much. There is a chance for you to experience the South Carolina State Museum without paying much money. The cost of admission has been lowered to $1 during the first Sunday of every month. That starts this Sunday, all thanks in part to a partnership with Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina. On the first Sundays, guests can also enjoy their 4D movies or a planetarium show for $5 each. The museum will also be open on July 4th from 10 to 5. The South Carolina State Museum is also hosting an event that's working to celebrate the nearly one in four Americans living with disabilities. On July 8th, Disability Pride Day will feature disability-adapted activities, museum tours, and sensory-friendly shows. Activities include painting a floor mural, uh, making posters using adaptive art tools, a silent disco, and an astronomy touch zone. That all sounds fun. Admission is free with the exception of the planetarium and 4D theater shows. More details and the link to register can be found at lowcountryweekend.com. Well, some sad news from the state to our north. The oldest restaurant in Charlotte is set to close its doors after nearly 100 years. Sad, sad news. Yeah, it sure is. After 97 years in business, Green's Lunch posted on its Facebook page on Sunday saying it will be closing tomorrow, June 28th. Green's has been run by the same family since 1975. Famous since 1926, Green's featured hot dogs, BLTs on simple wheat bread and special chili. Green's owner says they haven't been able to keep up with franchise restaurants. Since COVID, we've gotten tired. You can't compete with the uh, franchise of $15 and $20 per hour. Moms and pops are starting to get obsolete. We're dying. And in their Facebook post, Green's thanked all their loyal customers for the love and support over the past 97 years. At the top of the show, I mentioned that on this date in 1991, Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall announced he would retire from the high court. His successor, who is still on the bench, was Clarence Thomas. Celebrating birthdays today, fashion designer Vera Wang is 74. Actress Julia Duffy from Newhart is 72. Writer-director J.J. Abrams is 57. Actor Toby McGuire is 48. Reality star Khloe Kardashian is 39. And get ready for this one. Actress Madeline Sweeten, who played daughter Allie Barone in Everybody Loves Raymond, is 32. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Morning Y'all. From Live 5 News, I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Morning Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.